Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. Have you ever wondered what prophecy would look like today? Signs were there. Everyday life kind of seemed to continue for many people. We've been in this series called, Do You See What I See? Week one, we talked about, do you see the seed? Do you see the seed? We talked about a lot of different things there. Then last week, we talked about, do you see the lamb? This week, we're talking about, do you see the prophecy? Do you see the prophecy? The message is entitled, there goes that man. There goes that man. There was an article that a spokesperson put out to kind of describe the role of a prophet. And it went like this. Spokesman needed for international firm. No experience necessary. No education required. Must be 20 to 85 years old. Full or part-time. Exciting job with tra- lots of travel. Must be willing to move often. Sometimes in the middle of the night. Must be comfortable speaking to large crowds. We'll meet often with the CEO who will instruct and brief you on what to say to the public. Important that you are able to move in all circles of society from the highest to the lowest. Good vocabulary, a must. Ability to speak in colorful images, a big plus. Job entails unusual diet, including locusts and wild honey. Must look good in sackcloth and ashes. Unlimited opportunity for advancement. Low pay, but the benefits are out of this world. Must be willing to endure ridicule, persecution, slander, occasional beatings. This job, only one significant negative aspect. Make one mistake and you'll be stoned to death. Any takers? Anyone? No, it's kind of a little bit of a bleak look at it sometimes, but the ad pretty much nails the biblical role of a prophet and the pressures that were upon them to give accuracy to God's word. The Old Testament prophets, they sometimes didn't know when their words, in fact, many of them didn't know when their words would come to pass. They simply recorded what the Spirit of God had put on their hearts to say. And so, When Isaiah wrote, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bring forth a son. He didn't know when that was going to be. He didn't know when that was going to occur. I want to bring this message, there goes that man, to the table here this morning. uh, John chapter 7 was a, a, a verse in verse 40 that stood out to me. As we looked upon the idea of... There goes that man. Chapter 7 verse 40 read like this. It talked about how uh, the fact that Jesus had just described some things in the, the Sermon on the Mount. And he mentioned some things. And after saying all that, the people were like, this guy, surely he's a prophet. There goes that man. And. Surely this man is a prophet. The prophets, when they claimed to be a prophet, 
and claim the prophecy. It was not something that was taken lightly. In fact, the Jews had a well-defined procedure for stoning. In fact, if you were a prophet, prophet and your prophecy was wrong, you were stoned to death. The victim was stripped naked. Hands were bound. They were paraded out of town and placed on a scaffold nine feet high. The first official witness pushed the victim off the scaffold. The second witness dropped a large stone in his head and chest. And bystanders then pelted the dying man with stones. The corpse was then buried in a special place with the stone that inflicted the fatal blow. And no mourning, no mourning ceremony was permitted. I wonder, with the false prophets being stoned that way, how many less prophets they would be today. A lot of words that were spoken back then were held to accountability. Where some people now say things with no accountability. The truth is that your words will last longer and go further than your feet will ever take you. Your words will last longer and take you further than your feet will ever take you. God knew that. And so when there were prophecies, he was very aware. And very understanding that false prophets had no place in changing the course of man's walk. Can I tell you something? If you are a believer today, God is the one that orchestrates your walk. Hello? God is the one that orchestrates your walk. False prophets had to be stoned and the law commanded it. But today's prophecy and prophetic people have somewhat of a big, big, big business with nearly no risk involved. Can I share with you a couple of things that happened in somewhat recent memory? Because every week there are millions of people that read their horoscopes and hoping to find guidance in their future from people. Hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on astrologers and fortune tellers. And in fact, uh, some of you may remember this. Even when I was a kid, I remember this. The Psychic Friends Network. How many remember the Psychic Friends Network? That was the real deal. That was like a big deal back in the day. And I remember, I remember the Psychic self-proclaimed New Age people telling you what your future is. Can I tell you something? If it doesn't have the Bible involved, ain't nobody telling you a future. The only future they can tell you is that you're going to go bankrupt because you're spending $2.95 a minute. I can tell you a future. You're going to go bankrupt at $2.95 a minute. And they place it purposefully in the middle of the night when people can't sleep and they're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. Call this number. We'll tell you what your future holds. 995 a minute. I tell you what your future holds. Serious credit card debt. Then there was the there were articles that are always being posted by different newspapers. One of them in 1996 carried predictions by Carl de Nostradam, who was actually Allegedly, the last living descendant of the famed 16th century French seer Nostradamus. 
he started posting some things, and they started posting the article, rather. He predicted a few things in 1996 would happen. Three, in fact, three that he said would happen in 1996. One, a space shuttle would pick up a stray radio signal from another planet in deep space. Another one was that the prime minister of Japan would be poisoned and die. And the third one was that an earthquake measuring 11.2 on the Richter scale would rock Chicago in August or September. That's what it said. Killing 6,000 and costing billions in damage. 11.2, that's a serious earthquake. I looked it up. The biggest one that, you, that they had in the area, even close to the area, was five. Even close to the area, even close to that timeline. Nothing happened that year, even half of that number, but they said 11.2. Can I tell you, none of these things took place. False prophecy, false things being said that would happen. And the last, there's another one of the prophets on the scene that consider a, some... Christian broadcaster. Now, I'm not born for name dropping, but some people have heard of the name Harold Camping. He predicted the second coming of Jesus Christ would happen multiple times. Jesus is coming September 15th, 1994, or September 24th, or September 27th. If you know, pick one. He doesn't come in spurts. Prediction wouldn't come true. And camping responded that Christ and God wanted to test and see who would be faithful to him. That's why those dates were thrown out. You don't manipulate the body of Christ to faithfulness. Church, we don't believe as a church and we don't believe as a fellowship that we can cast out when Jesus is coming. And can I tell you the damage that that did to the body of Christ? Those Christians, they just want to. Those Christians. That, no, don't, don't group me in with that. Don't. Because I don't know the day or the hour. Nobody else in this room knows the day or the hour. In fact, the word of God is very clear that the Son of Man doesn't even know. That the Father will send him when it's his time. But I do know this. I do know he will crack the eastern sky. And I do know that his people will go up with him. That's what we do know. Those that follow him, those that are faithful, those that make him Lord of their lives will walk with him. Let me tell you something right now. There's a lot of prophecies, a lot of things thrown out there. And again, I'm not for name dropping, but I needed to make it crystal clear. That hurts the body. And the biggest problem that I have is that there's no accountability. That's why I'm okay with dropping the name at this point. Because you have to be accountable for what you say. Because your, your words will go further than your feet will ever take you. And people were damaged because they found something to believe in and that was not true. They found someone to believe in that was inaccurate. And that damages the body of Christ. Church, that damages the body and it damages the, the purpose of God in the church. Is that, is that something you would agree with this morning? You see, many Christians believe and were sorely disappointed when the time came and the time went and nothing took place. 
In fact, that reflects on even this pulpit. Because now there are people that wouldn't come into the doors of any church. Because someone lied dramatically. Someone said something that was not right. And so people specifically don't come to church today because of that reason. And that hurts my heart. And some of you were discouraged by this. Some of you remember this time. Some of you remember these moments where you would say, wow, is it true? And and you start, and then Y2K happened. People packing stuff like crazy. You got all kinds of bottled stuff in your basement to last you. Some of you still eating some of that stuff. Y2K. A long time ago. Some of y'all had breakfast this morning. We got to eat this up. We got leftovers. But mom, dad, this is leftovers for 20 years ago. Almost, baby, almost. Not quite. It might be 20 years before you're done with it. The second coming is very real, but no man knows it. The moment once one would say that they know the day or the hour, walk the other way quickly. Practice it. If they know the day, they say, I know the day and the hour. Stop what you're doing and say, I got somewhere to go. And that somewhere is not here. <laughs> Some of you have coworkers you've done that. You've practiced that with. I have somewhere to go and it's not here. Right? How many prophets today would stake his or her life on the predictions the way that the Old Testament held them? Responsible prophecy. Deuteronomy chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 18 is a very important passage. Allow me to teach a few moments. Can I teach? Because these last few weeks, God has really, really poured some great teaching uh, into this series. Do you see what I see? And I want you to see what I see here in Deuteronomy 18. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. We're going to begin in verse 9. If you have to, just to kind of give you a bit of context, in this passage, Moses speaks to the people of Israel warnings. He speaks to them warnings against false prophets and promising that God would raise up a prophet like him. So he gives a warning and then he gives a bit of a resume for the person that will go before him. Now listen, excuse me, uh, the person that will come after him. This person is not just an ordinary person. And he's not talking about the next prophet. He's talking about one that will come after him. That will be like him in many ways. And let let me just unpack this in these next few moments. Can I get your undivided attention for a moment? Because what I'm about to share with you is absolutely amazing. And we look at this text and this is what's happening. He's warning the people not to get tied up with their environment. Not to be influenced by their culture, but instead to influence culture. Does that make sense? Don't be influenced by the culture, influence the culture. And so, let's read this. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nation's There, let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire 
who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a median or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations among you, or rather before you. You must be blameless before the Lord, your God. The nations you... Uh, you dis, you dispossess. Listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. Let me tell you something right now. This is a careful warning for believers. This was a careful warning for those that follow. Listen, you're entering a culture that likes to do these things. Be very careful. To not let it affect you. Be very careful not to allow it to affect you. And let me tell you something straight up. You start following things that try to tell you your future. And I'm not, I'm not legalistic by any stretch. But this is not legalism. This is straight up Bible honesty here. You start consulting Ouija boards and horoscopes and... People, uh, I know for me, uh, uh, growing up Hispanic, uh, there was a lot of uh, witchcraft that happened in the city. Uh, growing up in the city, there's a lot of people that want answers. And so there's big money in having answers for people. Right? And so I remember growing up, I remember um, there being an influx of people that supposedly knew the future for a low, low cost. Can I tell you something? Be very careful what you consult and what darkness you allow. Anything that doesn't consult the word of God and the spirit of God is anti-God. Straight up, that's the honest to God truth. Hello? The demonic, the black stuff, that, that stuff right there has nothing to do in the kingdom of God. And don't touch it, don't allow it in your house. Don't allow it in your house. Spirits will stick to environments. They will stick to environments. And they're not easily, easily to, to, to be, ex, uh, they, they don't exit very easily. And so we have to understand that uh, if you know me long enough, you know that I'm not, a, I'm not a dark person. I don't talk a lot about dark things. But I'm telling you right now, this is very real. It's as real as I'm standing before you. Spiritual stuff is very real. And there's some people that come with uh, a very different perspective. Or, you know, Pastor Tony B. I'm just a very casual person. I really don't want to deal with that stuff. Well, let me tell you something. Whether you want to deal with it or not, the enemy has everything to do with it. And he wants nothing more than for you to take it lightly. Please, by all stretch, take it lightly, the enemy says. There's nothing really in that. Can I tell you that the Spirit of God wants to, wants to break things in your life today? Words that were spoken over you years ago. Prophecies that were said, that were, that were meant by God, that were from God. That have been halted and stalled because of the darkness that you've allowed in your life. And God wants to break those things so prophetic words can go forward in your life. And you say, well, Pastor Tony, I come from a background that really doesn't believe in that. 
really doesn't want to, really doesn't really kind of follow that. And can I tell you something that uh, one of the things that the scary things I've seen has happened in culture today is, is uh, churches that have been started for the wrong reasons. I, I, I know that there are many, there's a big influx and churches need to start because there are more than 2,400 churches a year closed in America. Did you know that? Did you know that? Over 2,400 churches annually close per year. So churches need to start. Churches need to expand. Churches need to multiply. We need that. We need more ministers, ministry people. We need more locations and people doing ministry. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying people that start for the wrong reasons. Some churches start, number one, because someone didn't want to give authority to someone else over their life. I don't want you to tell me how to pastor. I don't want you to tell me how to be a minister. So I'm going to start my own church down the street. And I'm going to do that because I don't want to fall under your authority. And so they start churches for the wrong reasons. And you know what happens? They start churches instead of for something, they start churches against something. We're not going to be that kind of church. So we're going to come over here and start this kind of church. With a red carpet church. They didn't want red carpet there. Don't you know that is the color of God? Crimson is God's color. So we're going to start, we're going to, we're going to leave. We're going to come over here. We're going to start a church with red carpet. Because that's God's will. Wait, what? All the wrong reasons, right? I'm going to start a church over here. And doctrines have no accountability. Words have no accountability. They say what they want, believe what they want, throw out stuff there. Hey, this looks like this. No spirit of God leading. Second thing that I'm I'm disturbed by seeing is that I see churches that start where Jesus isn't the center. It's coffee houses sprinkled with Jesus. Now we have coffee here. But we have Jesus with coffee. Come on somebody. Some of y'all wouldn't be able to clap right now if it wasn't for the coffee we supplied for you. Some of y'all be like... That's too much work. I'm exhausted. Listen, I'm not against coffee, trust me. But with Jesus' focus, the Word of God is our base. Hello? The Word of God is our base. And some people just want to start fellowships with a little, it's like a YMCA with a little Bible study. No ministry happening, just another program. And happens to mention this guy named Jesus. A little sum of that. Feel good about it. No condemnation. No worry. No accountability. And I'm telling you something. The word of God calls us to accountability. Here's a two test of a prophet. You ready? Truth and accuracy. Truth the prophet who presumes to speak in the name of anything that have, that have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of any other gods, must be put to death. Truth is very important to God. That was, that was the way it was. The Old Testament. True prophet speaks the word of God. Secondly, accuracy. Accuracy. If what a prophet proclaims 
in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message that the Lord is not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Reads one verse of scripture in Deuteronomy. Truth and accuracy. That is the true test of a prophet. Is that right? When you say, thus says the Lord, get it right. We don't throw that around ever, ever. And as a body, we encourage each other to encourage each other. But when you want to speak for God, you want to be the mouthpiece of God. Don't you throw your own agenda in there. Don't you throw your own two cents in there. Don't you throw your religiosity in there. You speak God's word and God's word alone. If you don't, if you're not, if it's not backed by the scriptures, don't speak it. Because as a pastor and as, as leaders, we have the right to speak down anything that is not scripturally backed. And we will do it from the pulpit. That is the correct way to lead the body right. And so we understand that the word prophet literally means one who speaks on behalf of another. And the prophets in biblical days spoke as a mouthpiece of God. I'm going to teach a little bit. Can I do that? The role of the prophet for a moment. Can we talk about the role of the prophet? Role number one. He delivered God's message to his own generation. Jonah had a problem with bringing the word of God to people. Because they were meanies. That's the VeggieTale version of it. Sorry. They were, they were people that were not doing it right. They were doing it wrong. Why should I save them? They're the worst of the worst. And guess what? None of us deserve it. Look at me. Every eyeball right here. Look at me. None of us deserve this grace of God. None of us. The role of the prophet had two functions. One, deliver God's message to his own generation. The prophets dealt with social issues. The prophets dealt condemning the grounds on which people did things, why they did things, and how they did things. They dealt with problems of immorality, and they dealt with the measure of holiness that people had or the lack thereof. If people do that today, people get all bent out of shape. Only God could judge me. No, not true. If you're a believer, every believer can judge you. Because they will judge your what? Your fruit. I have the right to judge your fruit because that's what should be coming out of you. Your fruit. Your life. Are you hearing me? I won't judge you as a person. That's God's job. But I can judge as a believer. I can judge your fruit. I can come to you. If I see something that's not right, I can come to you and say, brother, are you all right? This seems like this is off. I can come to you and say, brother, can we pray about this? And that is within realm, within love and understanding. But we have the right to do that. We have the right to do that. I'm, I'm not getting as many amens on that. With the looks I'm getting, I'm just going to have to be prophetic about this and move on. It's true though. People want to say only God could judge me. That's not necessarily true. People want to say that because they don't want nobody to be accountable to. That's the honest to God truth, right? But as believers, we can't say that. 
the, bo- the bold denunciation of sin is, the, is one of those things that the prophet has to do. We got to be able to say, this is wrong. Without feeling it in the world of offense that we live in today, for some reason, the word wrong is wrong. Get that. It's your truth, my truth. Don't tell me I'm wrong. It's the, yours, mine, and we share in this. No, no, there's right and wrong, friend. And the Bible's very clear. There's right and wrong. Very clear. Everybody wants to be offended about everything. Right? That offends me. You said sin, that offends me. You should say wrongdoing. Well, go to another church. We're going to call sin, sin. We're going to call holy, holy. And we're going to call God's word. We're going to call joy, joy. We're going to call grace, grace. We're going to call peace, peace. We're going to call everything what it is. Is that right? Let's call it what it is. And what God calls it. Not what I call it. Role number two of the prophet. Role number two predicted the rise and fall of nations. In fact, the outcome of military battles... The, the prophets stood in, the coming judgment, and then the way that the kings were being disobedient. All these things, he predicted the course of future events. That was the role of the prophet. I'm setting everything up to point to something. Just be patient with me for a moment because I'm building to what we're saying here this morning. Do you see the prophecy? We look at the role of the biblical prophet. He delivered God's message. And he delivered the events that are to happen. Sometimes they seen the outcome. Sometimes they didn't. But they always spoke accurately. So where do these roles take us? It takes us to that man. There goes that man. Fast forward a couple thousand years. And we find ourselves at the point of Christ. Right? And we look at Jesus and we a lot of people started to look at Jesus and started to wonder, is this that man? Well, Deuteronomy was very clear. Moses said something very interesting. We've observed the role of the prophet. Our Messiah Jesus Christ holds up to the measurement of everything spoken about the Messiah. So watch this for a moment. Because in Deuteronomy 34, no other prophet would approach his greatness. Right? That the person that would proceed, excuse me, uh, go after um, Moses, the person that would follow him would be like Moses. And then so then we now have to look at Jesus and say, if he's the Messiah, he has to be like Moses. And how is he like Moses? Because if the Messiah was to be like Moses, what are the parallels? So let's look at it for a moment. Because Deuteronomy 18.15 said this. For Moses said, because you understand something, right? You understand that Moses was one of the most revered, if not the most revered prophet in the Old Testament. When they looked at Moses and people looked at Moses, he was a man that was revered and understood to be not just the one that delivered him out of Egypt, but the man that did many things from, from, from crossing the Red Sea to, to splitting the rivers and uh, having food from heaven and light and water from rocks and all these things that took place. All these things were amazing miracles. So we looked at Moses and we think, how 
did the people respond when Jesus was here? Well, let's look at it. When Jesus performed the miracle where 5,000 people were fed. In John chapter 6, for those of you taking notes. John 6, he fed 5,000. Some said, surely, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Reference Deuteronomy 18. Second thing, later, when he spoke to the multitudes of the Feast of Tabernacles, some of the people exclaimed in John chapter 7, verse 40, surely this man is the prophet. The prophet. Again, referring to Deuteronomy 18. These people knew the scripture. And then John 5 records another time a dialogue between Christ and the antagonist who questioned his credentials as the Messiah. At the end of the debate, he summarizes his position by referring to them, Moses' words. He said to them, if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. Come on, somebody. Mic drop moment. Are you, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, Jesus walks in and he, they antagonize him. They're saying, uh, you know, how could you do? And so right there, he just says, Moses. You remember Moses? And they're like, yes. He's like, he wrote about me. Boom. I am the Messiah. I am that prophet. Now, he didn't do it often. You realize that? There were a lot of times Jesus would do miracles and he told them, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Because I don't want them to be led by flesh. I want them to see the revelation in their lives. Because waves of people would follow words and things that happened. He wanted them to follow because they were seeking truth. There's always going to be those that follow trends, right? They go from conference to conference. They never do anything for God. They just go from conference to conference. They want more. They're like, they're like spiritual addicts. They need the next fix. Hello? There's such a thing. There's such a thing as people that go from conference from, to another conference to a revival. And they follow a speaker across the nation. And some of them are called to pray. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people that just want the next fix. But they never do anything for God. They just take and they take and they take and they never ream out. They just take and take. And they're spiritual glutton. And they take and they take. Listen, Jesus said very specifically, and I believe that's why he did that. I believe that Jesus said, don't tell anybody because he wanted them to be able to experience Jesus for themselves. Experience that for themselves. And so here he had a moment where he said, you know what? He wrote about me. If you believe Moses, you believe me. So let's, let's look at Moses and Jesus then, right? Talking about parallels. Let's look at it. Moses. Jesus. Where are the parallels? Well, here we go. Moses was raised up by God. God's hand was on Moses from day uno. God was with him. Jesus was sent by God. We look at Moses. He spoke to God face to face. 
Jesus sat at the right hand of God. Moses was from the people. He was living among the people part of his life. Jesus himself was the son of Mary and legal son of Joseph. Moses performed miracles and so did Jesus. And then this was the good one. You ready for this? Moses gave the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Isn't that good? And so we look at Moses and Jesus. When Moses was talking about the one that would come after him, look at me. He's saying, the one that comes after me is going to fulfill everything that you need and more. That's exactly what Jesus did. He fulfilled prophecy. And so, there goes that man. Why? Some of them didn't even know what Jesus looked like. Some of them didn't even know his name. They would say, that's the man that healed my friend of leprosy. That, that's the man. That's the man that healed my friend who was born blind. That's the man. That's that man. There are people that, that want to know about God. They don't know his name today. They don't know his name. Can I make it clear? Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name. There was not a prophecy. And I said this last week. And I, it, was a, it was revelation to me. I hope it was revelation to you. I said it last week and I'll say it again. If we look at all of the prophecies that the Messiah was to fulfill. He fulfilled all of them. If they were to break his legs, which was one of the over a hundred plus prophecies that the Messiah had to fulfill. That no man could even come close to. But Jesus did. If they would have broken his legs on the cross, automatically, no Messiah. One thing. One. If one of those prophecies were broken, he is not Messiah. Because then it's not prophecy. It's not fulfilled. He fulfilled it all. Friends, this is good news. The evidence is all pointing. Jesus is the Messiah. Do you see what I see? Do you see the prophecy? The evidence is clear and overwhelming. Jesus is not just the son of God. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher. Friend, look at me. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is the son of God. The Messiah sent to set us free. He is that man. There goes that man. So what does that mean for us today? Well, here's what it means to us today. If Jesus Christ was saying anything in those days, here's a few things what he did. Are you ready? Three quick things I'm going to share with you. Number one, he declared the word of God with authority. You know what? After he taught the Beatitudes, right? Sermon on the Mount. Remember that? Matthew 5, 6. After he taught those Beatitudes, did you know what the people said? It's like he teaches with a man, as a man with authority. You know why? Because the people were teaching the law. And they were teaching through words. Jesus was teaching by the fulfilled law and the spirit of God. He was the walking fulfillment of scripture. He was the prophet of God 
fulfilling scripture. And so while they were teaching the words of God, he was teaching through the spirit of God. That's why all of a sudden when he taught, there was something different about him. Is this helpful? Because some of you, uh, some of you, some of you, you know, you're not sure about prophecy. You're not, I'm just trying to teach a little bit. I want you to understand something. He fulfilled all the necessary requirements for the Messiah. He is the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he's coming back again. Second thing, he diagnoses the true human heart. The condition of our heart. How many know that our heart is desperately wicked sometimes? How many of you have ever said something that the moment you said it, you were like, I wish I could take it back. Right? Because sometimes it kind of came up and it didn't get filtered. Right? Didn't get filtered. Lord, help me filter it this way. This is a great filter, guys. Try it. Let it go through this first. Try it. When you're about to yell at somebody, grab your Bible and do this and see what happens. All of a sudden, you'll be like, maybe I shouldn't say what I'm about to say. Right? Some of y'all are going to be like this all week. That's okay. John the Baptist looked weird for God's sake. You can too. It's okay. I've been doing it most of my life. The truth is this. God diagnosed the human heart and he told them what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. And oftentimes we're kind of that way, aren't we? We're kind of like, God, I really want you to tell me this. And I'm only praying because I really want you to tell me this. You're not really asking for the will of God if you're honest. Some of y'all ever prayed like that? Can, can I get a, a little bit of honesty? I pray like that. Some of y'all were praying just so you could get God to tell you what you want to hear. And then he didn't and you're like, oh dang, that's not good. He told me something different. I'm going to pray about it again. Because maybe I didn't hear right. Maybe God, you know, something got mixed up in interpretation. But you know what? Our heart interprets things differently. John 3 tells us, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because the deeds are evil. We don't want, we want to keep our junk in the dark. That's why people sprinkle Jesus. That's why they sprinkle Jesus on events. They sprinkle Jesus on programs. If he's not the center, then all men are not being drawn to him. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Not if I be sprinkled on. That was good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach it over here. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. He didn't say, if you sprinkle me on your events, just dabble a little bit of Jesus here, a little bit of Holy Spirit there, and allow it to be called a, a ministry event. No, no, no. If Jesus isn't drawing you, you ain't being drawn. We got to have that be the, the core reason why we do what we do. That's how the human condition gets changed. And third and final, he predicts the true course of future events. You know, I found a couple quick things. Can I share with you real quick? He predicted that one would betray him, didn't he? And Judas fulfilled that. He predicted that the crucifixion would take place. Fulfilled on Good Friday. He predicted the resurrection. Fulfilled on Easter Sunday. He, he predicted the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
fulfilled at Pentecost. He predicted the fall of Jerusalem fulfilled A.D. 70. The fall of Jerusalem and the Roman, by the Roman army. He predicted all of these things. And all of them happened. Why? Because he is the Messiah. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he can be your Messiah today. If you walked into this room today and you're a believer, I trust and hope he is your Messiah. He is the one that has come to save you, set you free. I talked about this last week. I said that the people were expecting a political Messiah. Right? The people were expecting a political Messiah. They expected, look this, watch this. They expected the Messiah to come in and knock Rome off of their high horse establish political reign and give Jerusalem back to the people, right? That's what they wanted. But Jesus came with lowly disciples, a tax collector, a fisherman, and a bunch of dudes that just are ragamuffins. They were straight up people that were not exactly the high society type people. In fact, the tax collector... They will consider crooked people. You got Matthew in the mix. In there, right? And here he took all these people and he said, you guys are my circle. And he took them and he changed the world. Did you get the idea that maybe, just maybe, because he used them, he might want to use you? If they themselves can be used by God, what's your excuse? Because most of you will probably say, I'm a good person. And you are. By and large, most of us are good. But there were some people doing some bad things. And still he loved them. Just like he loves today. He doesn't hold anyone more special than anyone else. He does hear the prayers of his people. Sometimes... People pray prayers, though. God, we got no business praying. So we got to understand that when God calls us, we have to listen. We have to listen. So when a prophet speaks, you have two choices. Just like when the Messiah speaks. You can listen to what he says. Or you can completely disregard his words. Those are your options. Listen to what he says or disregard his words. Those are your choices every day. And in our lives today, I hope today that you would take him at his word. Amen? That you would take him at his word. Friends, the role of the prophet is very clear. Point to God. And God points to Jesus saying he is the one, the savior. And then Jesus turns around and says, I'm coming back for a spotless bride. So when I talk about holiness... Look at me. When I talk about holiness, I'm talking about living a life that is honoring to God. Can you say that that's how you're living? If you can't, I would like you to pray with me right now. All across this room, would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, there's not a single person at the sound of my voice. Not a single one that is perfect. Not a single one that is without sin. We all have fallen short. 
But today we ask you in Jesus' name. Help us to follow you. Our Messiah. The King of kings and Lord of lords. The prophet of all prophets. Lead us to life everlasting. Show us how to be pleasing in your eyes. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.